0: At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout. Hey
1: guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talko Supremo. Dear Professor John, please school us on Joel Rifkin because I find him so, so interesting. The only reason he got caught is because he forgot to put his license plate back on his truck. He had no previous record, and a cop just happened to pull him over when he had a dead body in the back. Like fuck. All right, Brittany B., like fuck is right. Rifkin, not only confessed to 17 horrific murders, but also infiltrated our popular culture with recognition on this famous TV series.
2: Sunday morning,
3: rain is falling. Except it's not. It's actually sunny today. Uh, well, I guess it's Taco Tuesday when you guys are listening to it, but happy Sunday to us in the room. Yes, it is a brunch brunch episode. The hints that you gave us, uh, or that you posted on Facebook, had many a hint, so I picked a Seinfeld cocktail. I fucking love Seinfeld.
2: I do. Mm. I did not like it when I was younger. I don't think I was old enough to understand, but
3: I could binge that. I yeah I have I have not seen like a ton of Seinfeld episodes and tonight we are drinking Berry Seinfelds which is nipitati gin lemon juice some muddled berries and raspberry liqueur topped with some seltzer oh what the hell what
1: so Alan says. This is an incredibly well-written hint. I have absolutely no fucking clue as to the answer, but I felt compelled to point out your good work, Jen. I wrote the hint, dude.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alan. First, <laughs> perhaps Alan is dyslexic, as like the hint says, and he meant to put John. It's a good drink.
1: So what it I is. wrote, a little
3: like cough syrup, but
2: that's okay. Mm-mm, no, I think it's good. But you know what I think makes it is the nipitadi. It does. Nipatati. This episode is brought to you by Nipitati Gin.
1: Nipple titties.
2: <laughs> I do have to say, like, every time I tell someone, I was like, oh my gosh, so we have this sponsor, Nippitati Gin. They're like, what? I'm like nippetati. They're like, What? And I have to like say it really slow because I think I'm saying nipple titty or something. It's
3: it sounds dirty, but it goes so well with our podcast <laughs> yes. for that reason alone. Yeah, it's great. But it's also freaking delicious. Uh, yeah, and they're coming out with vodka. Yes, we went to um, to go see the distillery and hang out for a little bit with Traxler, who's the owner, um, a couple weeks ago. And we got to taste the vodka. Oh, and so, so good. But he made two different, like the same cocktail, but one with his gin and one with his vodka. Yeah, it was and like a Cape Codder. Oh, they were so good mm. and just very distinct flavors. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Also, big shout out to Abby for being super supportive on the new podcast, Quackery. Done by uh, one of our talco Supremos, Will, Dr. Will. She's um...
3: Dr. Will. We should, you he should use that doctor. more often, though. <laughs> doctor. I know, but Dr. Will sounds like Dr. Phil. Yeah,
2: oh my God, uh, yeah. Did you guys
3: see those pictures of his
2: house? His house is up for sale for like $5.75 million. And the inside, I didn't see all of the pictures, but the inside design is just, it's very strange. There's huh. like machine guns lining the wall in one room, and it's just mm. like very strange. Hmm. So you can check that out somewhere, I'm sure. I don't I don't have a link to it per se, but maybe I'll put one up there.
1: So the hint that I posted was, Good morning, y'all. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in Charleston, South Carolina. The birds are chirping. The neighbor's outside fixing his truck. And that was one of the hints. I just hope he doesn't forget the license plate. That was another hint. And the TM2M crew are about to head to the studio and record a fascinating killer episode. Of course, I would rather be sitting on my mother's couch. That's another hint. Watching Seinfeld. That's another hint. But I know it's best not to procrastinate. Anyways, take a guess in the comments of WWGWWK, but I misspelled it because I'm a tad dyslexic.
2: I'm not dyslexic, but I think I have dyscalculia a little bit. Not enough to be... You have what? Dyscalcula. It's the math version of dyslexia. No, that's
1: not a thing. Yes, it is. Did you know calculus is like a dentist term? Hmm. the, The lady when I was doing my, got my teeth cleaned, she was like, you got some calculus up there. I'm like, okay. I was, I was on meds. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I may <laughs> not
2: that out. No, but dyscalculate dyscalculate is a real uh, it's a real disorder where you mix up the order of numbers and that happens to me all the time. But I I don't obviously have not been diagnosed with it, but I think I have a tad bit of it.
1: Nicole, where are we going and who are we killing?
3: Okay, so I think that this takes place in New York in the 1980s and he's, the killer has some sort of weird relationship with his mom, a la Ed Kemper, and he has a learning disability, dyslexia, and he gets he kills a few women bec- and some sort of rela- relation to his mom and he gets caught from a routine traffic stop because he was missing a license plate.
2: I think that we're also going to New York because of the Seinfeld, but um, I think someone's mom kills their kid because they do not achieve Mm. their goals um, like they should due to a learning disorder, which they also procrastinate a lot. And um, so I think the mother kills their kid.
1: All right, guys. Big shout out today to Rebecca. For actually guessing. So tonight's surprise shot is dedicated to you, Rebecca, and also Lauren for her ass man comment.
2: That was a great episode. Yeah. It was a great episode.
1: Yeah. All right, let's get started. So, congratulations, guys, Lauren and Rebecca. Tonight's surprise shot is dedicated to you.
2: And thank you.
1: Oh, and then, uh, Nicole's mom says, wish you were sitting on my couch with a heart on it.
2: Aww. Aww. Thanks, Renee. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are could they're a surprise. Is it just me or is this shot slightly pink? I think it's actually more of a coral.
1: It's because is... y'all don't wash the shot glasses. No,
2: we wash them. This sh- it's actually orange. It's not pink. It is orange, just to be clear. Cheers. Cheers. Yum.
3: That was good. That was good. I liked that. It was better after I swallowed it. Like That's it what had she a, said. it had a better aftertaste. That's what she said.
1: It was great until I realized that we're taking shots on the Sunday morning.
3: Was it a kettle one? It was one, not. One of
2: their fancy ones? It was not. Okay. Um, it was, however, not one vodka, but two. Now, as you guys know, in December, we had our surprise shots of Christmas and I've run low on the rest of them. So I only had one of each little thing. So the main shot was um, Western Sun peach vodka. Oh. Um, But I ran out of it enough of all of it. So I topped it off with some Grey Goose.
1: We're starting today's episode off with this pretty lady right here.
3: Um, she has brown hair, big eyes, pretty young woman, probably in her 20s, I would say.
1: Okay, we're going to June 1993 in the Big Apple.
3: All right, we all got New York, right?
1: That's good, that's good.
3: Um,
2: Why is New York the Big Apple again? I feel like I learned that when I was younger, but I don't remember.
1: That's where Eve took a bite of that apple that doomed all the men to hell for the rest of our lives because she couldn't follow simple orders and not eat from the sacred tree. And she had all this other food, but she took an apple, even though she wasn't supposed to. So she is a reason that evil exists in the world. That bitch. All right, I'll buy it. We're going to June 1993. We're going to the Big Apple. We're talking about Tiffany Bresciani. 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 June 1993. Now, this is about 5 o'clock in the morning, okay? And, in fact, I'm taking you guys to the parking lot of the New York Post. Oh. Okay. So, for some reason, I put in my notes that she has big hooters. I don't know why I put that on there. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I read that in the book. (laughs) But um, she also had a, a sexy blouse that outlined her bosom.
3: Oh, so it's the woman's fault because of what she was wearing? That she no, was but she was assaulted? actually in a car. Mm-hmm. She
1: she was a prostitute.
3: Okay, okay. Well, that's yeah, exactly she's, I should get that out of the
1: way. Um, <laughs> but she, she did have a rose tattoo on her wrist. Now this is from the Daily News, July fourth, nineteen ninety three. It says the sub headline says a beautiful girl. "Quote: She was a beautiful girl," said her mother. She was personable, good hearted, generous, friendly, and very close to her brothers. Most of the women in the story came from good homes. Okay. But during this time, obviously, we're coming out of the crack epidemic. So, all those, so a lot of people are addicted to crack. You know, that was like during the 80s and stuff like that. So, Mm. a lot of these women are addicted to crack. So, they're prostituting their bodies to pay for that addiction. So, usually, and even now I imagine I never got a prostitute, but a blow <laughs> job <to> <laughs> a blowjob would be like the um, the cost of like a couple hits of heroin or crack. So it's like the market forces, like the the, the equilibrium mm-hmm. of a blowjob compared to a hit of crack kind of thing. Yeah. So that that is the same as in this story right here. Now, she's actually in the New York Post parking lot. It's very late, 4.35 a.m. in the morning. Parking lot is completely empty.
2: It's 5 o'clock on a Saturday.
1: So they're in this car, and they're about to, you know, get it on, and something that literally you can't make up, which is why Nicole is going to read, because if she didn't read it from the book, you guys wouldn't believe me. But here, just go ahead and read this, Nicole. She
3: was scrunched down, and I was taking my pants off, or whatever. I'm just about to start, and a van parks next to us, and a guy gets out and walks behind the car. I thought he walked off, so I grabbed the neck, so I grabbed the neck, strangle her, you know. She's struggling a little bit. We're doing whatever in the back seat of the car, and I look up just after she passes out, and the guy is standing three feet from the car doing tai chi. He's facing the water, watching the sunrise, doing a praying mantis position, and all this other crazy stuff. What? Right. Because that's the crazy stuff that's happening outside of the car.
2: So, not, you know, the fact he that he just, just strangled has, a
1: prostitute. He just has sex with this prostitute, and he's strangling her. And at the same time, this guy is like five feet away doing Tai Chi. <laughs>
3: Finding his zen, <laughs> what you know. The, fuck?
1: the reason I started with that is because that is the uh, sentiment of the story. <laughs> this you guy. guys
3: remember Taibo? Yeah.
1: Shanti. No, T. not Shanti. It wasn't Shanti. It wasn't. Shanti's the insanity guy. Yeah.
3: I love Shanti. It T. wasn't Shanti. Do you know Shanti is gay? No. Yeah. Yeah, Shanti is gay. Well, good for him. I love him.
1: Not only is the prostitute dead <laughs> and this guy's doing Tai Chi, Or Taibo or whatever the fuck. He is also in his mother's Toyota sedan, Hmm. so he's driving his mom's car to go get a prostitute. This story is literally the Tai
2: Chi guy.
3: No, how does he know the Tai Chi guy? No, the Tai Chi guy is his mom's
1: car. (laughs) No, the Tai Chi guy is not in the mom's car.
3: Yeah, I know. That's what Jen said. Oh. She,
1: Jen, the, tai Chi, the, the Tai Chi guy is just a little part of the story. He's, he's gone now.
3: I was like, how do we
2: know so that? So he just pulls into a parking lot, does Tai Chi while this girl's getting strangled and raped. <laughs> yes. And then leaves? Yeah. Well, the Tai Chi <laughs> guy doesn't <laughs> see what's happening. Oh, he's too Zen. Do you know that Tai? Yeah. I think Tai Bo is a <laughs> between Tai Chi and boxing. Like I think that's why
3: it's called Tai Bo. The point. So the point. It like of the the this. <laughs>
1: no. All the the point is, there was a guy doing Tai Chi. The,
3: the the murderer is telling this part of the story, and he is half strangling this girl, half watching some Asian. I don't know. Oh, that's anything? fucking yeah, racist.
1: We, we don't wow. know he's
3: Asian. White people do
2: Tai Chi
1: shit. too. Some
3: some guy did it doing Tai Chi. Some Asian
1: <laughs> in the book. Wow. Did he hit like a speed bump coming in because he can't drive? Uh, And if you check his finances, was he really good at math? You want to go down that road?
2: No, he had dyscalculia.
1: So not only is a prostitute strangled, but he's also in the mother's Toyota sedan, okay, which is fucked up.
3: Yes, he's using his mother's car to pick up Mm -hmm. prostitutes.
1: Yes. Now, it's around 7 a.m. when he leaves. He gets on the Long Island Expressway which I have no idea what that is. It's
2: a highway uh, that takes you from New York City to Long
1: Island. Okay. Just so you know. Now he finally gets back to the neighborhood. This is 7.38 a.m. in the morning. He strangles a prostitute. She's naked in the back seat of his mother's sedan. He drives back to his neighborhood, which is about 30 minutes away, and he's driving around his neighborhood. Now this is going to show you what... I mean, this is the best This is the best scenario to show you his personality. Instead of going straight home, he drives around because earlier he spotted this nice little window pane, you know, how people th- throw stuff on the side of the road for the garbage to take. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I want to get that because I want to build a greenhouse. So with this what? dead, naked prostitute in the back of his car, he stops and hauls this big window pane in the car, you know, before going home.
3: Hey, if it's for free, <laughs> it's for me. He's fucking dumpster diving while he needs to go dispose of a body. He
1: goes back inside. Now, he lives with his mom. So he goes to the kitchen, and he says, quote, he tells this to his mom, I went through the kitchen telling my mother on the way out, <laughs> I got something I got to do real quick. I'll be back in a minute, yada, yada, yada. Got to dispose of a body, BRB. He then goes to Kmart, and keep in mind, the entire time this prostitute is in the back seat of the car, and it is literally 9 in the morning. Like, people are lining up in the Chick-fil-A parking lot, and there's a lot of people out. This is like a weekday. Everyone's working. Can
2: I just say, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know you're going to cut this anyway, but I'm going to tell you. So, on my way to work, there's a Chick-fil-A, and it was closed for a couple months because they remodeled it. Mm-hmm. And then on the first day of the grand opening, it was literally before 7 o'clock in the morning. It was like 6.30. And the line was all the way from the drive through out of the plaza, wow. like it, it was like it's ridiculous. I don't understand. because
1: people think Chick Fil A is healthy for some reason.
2: But it is the best fast food. Yeah,
1: but it's still fucking fast food. But oh, it's like yeah. it's
2: not even seven o'clock, and these people were like causing traffic issues their, because they, they had get to their get their Chick Fil A.
3: Gotta get their chicken I minis. Don't get it. I, don't. Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A I love Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Chick. I wish it was open right now.
1: <sighs> so he gets back in his mom's Toyota, drives to Kmart, he gets a tarp. You know that's a, smart. A blue tarp. A blue tarp. He gets a
2: <laughs> or a green red tarp. tarp. <laughs> they don't have red tarps.
1: <laughs> These are blue or green. Okay. Or he gets a tarp, and not only that, he gets some antifreeze.
3: Oh,
2: good. And
1: some oil because he's going to work on his truck later. You know.
3: Oh, the antifreeze has nothing
2: to do. Well, he already killed well, the. I mean, like you can so. put a tarp down while you're doing an oil change so you don't make a yeah. mess.
1: Then he gets back in his car. Now, the prostitute's still in the back seat. He drives to another parking lot. Now, this is 9 a.m. in the morning. He rolls the prostitute up in the tarp and manhandles her into the trunk. Now, this isn't a parking lot of a business. Like, everyone's around.
3: It's not a quiet time of day. Yes. It's kind of like Kitty Genovese. They see him, but they
2: don't say anything. He
1: goes. He goes back home, and his mom's like, I need the car, honey boo. I got to go. My quilting friends, they want me to look at some fabrics and, you know, I got to do some stitching and all this stuff. So before he gets a chance to remove the prostitute out of the trunk of the mother's car, she takes it for a few hours doing errands, completely oblivious that there's a corpse in the back of her car. (laughs) She didn't take a peek under the tarp? It's in the trunk. She didn't open the trunk. No, she doesn't open the trunk. She why would? If you,
2: you ever gr- open your trunk unless yeah, you yes. really need to. If I'm shopping, yeah, grocery shopping, you put your groceries in the trunk. Well, she
1: didn't. Especially, right. I
3: mean, I didn't use my trunk when I had my old car that much, but now I do because I just have to press a button and it opens. See, I don't really use my
2: trunk, but but my parents do. I mean, my car is full of shit, so
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the mother gets home, and he's, like, relieved. He's like, oh, my God, thank God. I thought that was going to be the end of me. So he then transfers the tart with the prostitute into the garage. Okay, now it's June, and it's freaking hot. It's, like, one of the hottest summers oh, ever. Oh, no,
2: that body's going to start to smell. <clears throat> so oh, in yeah. a
1: garage with no ventilation. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, the smell is awful. <laughs> oh, no. But... Instead of going to dump the body, because he has two trucks that he owns. One of them works just fine. It's completely fine. Now, the killer here has two trucks. One of the trucks doesn't work, and that's why he bought you know some of the stuff, the oil. He's going to change the oil and the antifreeze. And the other truck works just fine. So in theory, he could easily put the body in the other truck and drive to any numerous dump sites, because this is not his first kill. He oh. knows exactly where to hide a body. Oh. But instead, he leaves the body in the garage and decides to do an engine change, which lasts about four days from one truck to the next. Hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was, Why?
3: <laughs> I don't fucking know. That seems like a waste know. of time and resources, but okay.
1: Okay, so instead of Putting the body in a dump site, he decides to work on his truck for four days with the body still in the garage.
3: In June,
2: where it's, I'm sure. Like how could hot. you work in that type of environment?
3: Well, you said this isn't his first kill, so is he just really familiar with the stank of bodies? I don't care how familiar you are with the smell. That doesn't mean you can tolerate it.
2: True. Just because I know what the paper mill smells like every morning doesn't mean I look forward to driving past it yep. on 526.
1: True that. This is a quote from the killer.
3: Now, I'm focusing on this truck project, he said, and for the next three and a half days, that is what I focused on. Just left her in the garage.
1: (laughs) Now, when the detectives finally found the body, there was intense damage to her vulva area. Jen, you drive a vulva, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. All right, now let's go to June twenty eighth. This is four days later. His truck is finally fixed, and let me show you a picture of his gorgeous truck. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wait, is that the one that he just like fixed? Yeah, and this put a is new the one
1: engine. In? Wow. Beautiful. You beautiful. see that tarp in the back?
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a blue tarp. One. It's a
1: blue tarp. <laughs> Guess what's in that truck? A dead body. <laughs> it's also important to know that he has a bumper sticker on that truck that says. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but whips and chains excite me. Oh my God,
3: that's (laughs) that's that's Rihanna. Rihanna, Rihanna, yeah. What? That's That's a Rihanna song.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah, it's from S M. Oh shit! I guess she stole it from this (laughs) serial killer.
3: (laughs) I mean, it must have been popular from something else. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but chains and whips excite me. Come on, come on,
2: I like it. Come on.
1: Fast forward to June 28th, 1993, about four days later. As you see the truck right there, the body is in the truck. You see, they tried to blur it out a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Now, this is I about 3 a.m. in the morning. But mo- I
2: can imagine.
1: This is about 3 a.m. in the morning. He is driving <laughs> without a license plate. <laughs>
3: And he gets stopped by the popo.
1: So we've been watching a lot of live PD. Yeah,
3: he gets stopped by the popo in <laughs> a routine traffic stop. That's what I said. It's
1: 3 a.m. The driver, who I'm going to tell you who it is in a minute, actually put noxema on his nose to deal with the oh my God. corpse smell, which um, one investigator said that before he even got to the crime scene, a half a mile before he got to the crime scene, he could smell <laughs> the corpse. Ew. Ew. Okay, which is now four wow. days old from rotting in, in the, the basement. Heat. In the heat of June. So he was pulled over and he cooperated and everything was fine, right? Until. False. What happened?
2: Until they decided. He runs. He, they saw something, and they decided to search his vehicle.
3: He left the parkway at exit 28 South, Wanta Avenue, negotiating a sharp, horseshoe-shaped turn at an excessive rate of speed. He then bore through a stop sign, ignored a no left turn sign, and gunned the motor. The troopers, meanwhile, radioed for assistance, and before long, were joined by several other state police units, as well as mobile units from Nassau County Police Department.
2: Oh, Nassau County, I know where that is, it's on Long Island.
1: All right, 90 miles an hour. I mean, basically, he has nothing to lose. (laughs) So he's like, fuck it. Now the body, as you see from the picture here, go com, is actually hitting both sides of the bed of the truck. Like, boom, 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 (laughs) boom. Yeah, I'm surprised the head didn't pop off. Now, 90 miles an hour, he's in a rural, what? On Long Island. On Long Island. It's a rural chase. He misses an intersection and collides into a telephone pole Hmm. right in front of the county courthouse. Oh, shit. (laughs) The end, <laughs> <laughs> and he gets down and says, Who was the problem, officer? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my spectacles. <laughs> uh. Uh, okay, uh. who are we talking about? You guys already know. Right? No, tonight we're reading from the book, his uh, great book, from Robert Maladnich. He was a friend, a once. One-time friend of the killer here. The book is called "From the Mouth of the Monster: The Joel Rifkin Story." Ooh. Oh, this story is for our talkers primo, Brittany B. Z- oh, Z- hey, Brittany. hey, Brittany.
3: P.S. We need your shirt, yeah, shirt size. Yeah, my
1: email. Yeah, we need your shirt size, Brittany. Brittany is a plus-size model and on and Instagram, an artist. I think and an artist. So please go follow her.
3: Well, follow us too. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of following us on Instagram, we are doing a drawing for whoever is our 666th follower on Instagram. Our Instagram's a little bit behind our Facebook. And right now we're at um, just about 600. So we're not very far away. And we're also going to do a giveaway for our 1,000th Facebook like, which we're also very close to.
1: So for our Instagram, the 666, we're actually going to um – uh, Writes your certificates for all of our souls.
2: I mean, <laughs>
3: you guys can. Uh, her uh, Instagram is Brittany Burham. B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-B-U-R-R-A-H-M. Um, and so you can just follow her right on her social page. But she is awesome.
1: Very talented. Very talented. And she requests a story. And it's a great one. All right, anyway. So this is for you, Brittany B. I'm trying to picture. Can you give me a sense of uh, what he looks like? Of this guy? Because I'm
3: picturing, sure. because we're in the South, kind of like a redneck type person, especially with the truck. But like perhaps he's uh, Italian. Yeah. I think it's Italian. Like a Guido.
1: So this Rifkin
2: is-, is not an Italian name. Maybe it's a Jewish name. Is that a Jewish name or is it a uh, Polish name?
1: This is Joe Rifkin right here. This is when Polish. he was—he was a nerd in uh, high school. But it's and not stuff. Polish last name. I don't him? know what
2: kind of last name that is.
1: Now, Joel Rifkin was—if you watch the Ass Man episode on Seinfeld, that was not Joel Rifkin, but it was a character playing Joel Rifkin. Oh And I don't actually remember that episode, even though I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. I don't actually. Did remember you find
3: that. a clip of the episode? Yeah, here's a one?
1: clip right now
3: want you to know that I was more than willing to stick it out with Joel Rifkin.
1: Sure. Uh...
2: <laughs> okay, you got your list?
3: Yeah, yeah. Ten names. Right. Okay, and if somebody objects, you can just veto it. Okay. Okay. You start. What's your first choice? Stewart. No, second choice. <laughs> S- Stewart's no good? I have never met a normal guy named Stewart. Oh, my
1: God. Okay. Ned? What is wrong with Ned? Ned's a guy who. So that's supposed buys to be Joe Riffkin. I don't know. Next.
3: Someone who shares his name yeah. and he wants to change his Alice.
1: name, so oh. he's not associated Alice? with Alice? You might as well go with Alex. It's the same thing. Alice
3: and Alex aren't even close. Next. Ugh. What's the point?
1: No, no, come on.
3: Okay, okay.
0: Remy. Remy Rifkin Mm -hmm. should I get a beret?
3: (laughs) Stuart's a lot better little Stuart Rifkin likes to go shopping with his mother Uh, (laughs) uh, got it so it's someone who shares his name yeah Yeah.
1: Uh, that's funny all right, so a little bit from uh, the big book of serial killers by Jack Rosewood.
3: A great gift from friend Abby. Yes, hmm. thank you
1: so much, Abby. Um, at date of birth, January 20th, 1959. The uh, nickname for him is Joel the Ripper, which we'll get into. Oh. Characteristics, dismemberment. Um <laughs>
3: I feel like you're about to read a dating profile. Likes dismemberment, yeah. <laughs> choking, blue tarps,
1: murder methods. If you're looking for fixing up
2: cars, if you're looking for a great guy who's great with his hands and is a real mama's boy, uh, come on out for a date. We'll do some tai chi and maybe <laughs> take a walk along the Long Island Expressway. But don't worry if things get rough and tumble when you're rolling around the back seat of my truck for a little bit.
1: A little bit of trivia. He tested. At an IQ of 128. And in early 1994, it was reported that Rifkin had engaged in a jailhouse scuffle with mass murderer Colin Ferguson. Hmm. The brawl began when Ferguson asked Rifkin to be quiet while Ferguson was using the telephone. The New York Daily News reported the fight escalated after Ferguson told Rifkin, quote, I wiped out six devils and you only killed women. To which Rifkin responded, quote, yeah, but I had more victims. Ferguson then punched Rifkin in the mouth.
3: Yikes!
1: Wow, All right, that sounds like an all-out brawl. So Rifkin was adopted, and in fact, a little t- hmm. in fact, a little trivia here. In the trial, one of the attorneys for Rifkin actually brought up the uh, the adoption defense, where uh, since his uh, since his biological parents were unknown. It was possible that the adoption, he may have had some mental genetic illnesses and stuff like that. Since you don't really know what his genetic
3: profile looks like.
1: Yeah. And the the judge refused to get the biological parents involved as well. So they actually it, didn't know.
3: That it does ar- make an argument that being a killer is somehow genetic. Yeah, nature Which, versus nurture. I don't know if that ne- is necessarily true. Well, I think you no, I agree traits. with you, but
2: like you can't, what they're, what they're saying is that you you don't know for sure unless it was an open don't adoption, know for sure, which yeah. it sounds like it was a closed adoption.
3: Yeah, but you can't make that argument with any killer, even if they're not adopted.
1: It know? was a closed adoption because he was adopted by a Jewish adoption service. Just throwing that in there.
3: But I, like you can't <laughs> make that argument on DNA with any. No, you're right. You're right. Killer, so I feel like that just has no absolutely nothing to do with it. Well, I, I, well,
2: well, it was a, I mean,
1: it was a hail mary defense type of strategy, very hail mary, right?
2: But I mean, I'm not saying that you, you know, could have a mental disorder. That's what I'm saying. Like if, if he was prone, if he was prone to a mental disorder, which would make him less competent to stand trial or be held accountable for his crimes.
3: But they also know he had an IQ of 130, which is pretty high Gifted. IQ.
1: Can we get on with the damn story? I'm just okay. Talking. He grew up. He was adopted, but he grew up in a normal, extremely liberal, two-person household. The father was actually a structural engineer. Hmm. Joel
3: always wanted to please my husband, but could never find a way to do it, said Gian. I thought of him as a loner. It didn't fully come home to me, what was was happening until later. Joel would sit on a curb to play ball with the other kids, but they wouldn't let him play. He would then retreat upstairs and watch out the window.
1: Another fact that's going to come into play, Joel also had... had dyslexia.
3: So he was twice exceptional for
2: my educators out there who know what that means.
1: And uh, this is actually from one of our talkers, primos because I had asked on the forum if anyone Who's has dyslexia dyslexic. and would like to share their experience. So this is uh, Rhiannon, this is what she. That said this from
3: Rhiannon. I was diagnosed in elementary school. I was constantly mixing up numbers and letters. I was in a special class for a little while where I could take longer on my tests and practice and do homework. Mainly, my dyslexia affects me with numbers and letters with words. For example, I will read a sentence completely backwards. The words will be in different orders. As far as numbers go, that's the hardest for me. Reading numbers and saying numbers. My brain just literally sees them another way. A nurse that's very, very difficult. As a nurse, that's very, very difficult Mm. because it's dangerous for wrong doses. Mm. For me, I have to write it out and make sure that what I wrote out matches what I'm trying to type in. Or order over the phone for a prescription. When I get stressed, it's even worse. So I have to make sure to calm down and take a minute. There's no medication for it. And the worst part is... is usually when you're in a stressful situation is when you need to be able to do things as quickly as possible. But stress makes dyslexia worse. So I've had to learn how to kind of slow down and breathe. Hmm.
1: I think Steve Jobs had dyslexia. Oh, wow. The mother was a college art teacher, and she was very talented, and and Joel actually got his talent from that. He was a Joel was actually a very talented photographer. The family household was not like you think, like, you know— He was getting abused and beat. It was actually very loving. They were a very loving couple Mm. and they, you know, treated Joel with a lot of respect. It was a really normal household besides the adoption thing. Um, Now, Joel would spend a lot of time in the mother's dark room uh, developing photos. Uh, He was born on January 20th, 1959, as I said. Who was adopted by a Jewish adoption service? His parents were close to forty when they adopted him. Before uh, Rifkin, before Joel started kindergarten, they moved to Long Island, and this was a traumatic move for him. And in fact, multiple times in the book, when he when they quote him, it's uh, usually either before the move and after the move.
2: I'm wondering Hmm. how it was traumatic for him since it was before kindergarten. Like, you usually don't start forming long-term memories. Well, he had memories Mm. at, like,
1: four. I think his first memory is like, at four.
3: Interesting.
2: Uh,
1: I wonder
3: if that's because of his IQ. Mm. I
1: don't know. But he said he remembered everything Mm. when he was a kid. And even though he had uh, disabilities as a child. But as far as before the move and after the move goes, after the move is when he moved to Long Island and he was – Constantly bullied, as a lot of serial killers are. He did have disabilities as a child. He was undiagnosed with dyslexia. In fact, he didn't even get diagnosed until he was in his 20s. He stuttered when he spoke, which you know increased the uh, chances of him getting bullied, which were often... Uh, he had attention deficit disorder, and he couldn't concentrate while having a conversation with anyone. And that actually goes into play as well when he got arrested. I remember reading when he was in the jail cell, he would have a conversation with a guard or somebody like a psychiatrist. And once the conversation kind of took a break, he would stare at this one little crack in the wall, and he was transfixed by the track by this track mm. by this crack, and he could not tear his eyes away from it. So he was very disoriented in the head. I mean, you saw that too. Basically, he has to hide a body and instead he's going to go fix a truck for four days. <laughs> I mean, yeah. something's not right there. Yeah,
3: that's definitely strange. I think a, that the hiding a body, disposing of it, would be the number one thing you have to go do. Yeah. Right.
1: He had a normal or a little bit of over IQ, but most people first meeting him would think that he was mentally retarded.
2: I wonder if it was a coping mechanism though, if he was just in denial Hmm. Because he can trans, like because he knew that he had to get rid of the body, but maybe he was denying that, and that's why he was transfixed on on getting the truck
3: done. It's a very maybe. interesting theory. Yeah,
1: this is from the Daily News, Sunday, July fourth, nineteen ninety three.
3: My friend Jeff and I used to play catch with him, bounce him off the lockers. You know, the order of the lo- the order of life: jocks, class A's, freaks, burnouts. Joel was on the bottom. He was an abuse unit. Yikes.
2: Now serving B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay,
1: Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim.
2: Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B-25 at window number
1: 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself
3: into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash real ID.
0: Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, The only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive.
3: Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few
0: more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. The Only from progressive. <laughs> the RNFOL of the Comatose Coxswain. Progressive cream. casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Now, as I said, he he grew up in a loving home with a loving dad too. Um he was a structural engineer. And he was constantly getting promoted and and life was ordinary and pretty good besides the bullying. But he sucked at sports, and this is a big thing because his father was an athlete, and Mm. it was almost like he was ashamed of his son, but he wouldn't, like, badger him about it. It was just, like, disappointed, disappointed. yeah. Yeah, And he could tell.
2: That's kind of interesting, though. I know things were different back in the day, but you think someone... In order to be a structural engineer, they must have had he must have had an, a high IQ as well. So instead of embracing and and I, like I said, it's a totally different time. But like instead of embracing his son's you know high IQ and lack of athletics and trying to get him involved in in that kind of environment, like the STEM environment, which did I mean you know it's obviously different than today. But you know he was kind of upset that he wasn't athletic.
3: Yeah, and it could have just been that he wasn't. Like his dad, you know, he, like he didn't see as many commonalities, which I'm sure was exacerbated by the fact he was adopted. Mm. The happiest period of my life keeps going back to Rockland County, he explained. The beginning of my conscious memory when I was four, we had a very open backyard, maybe a half acre, surrounded by woods on both sides, across the street and behind us. So I had my frogs to play with, my tadpoles and newts. Whatever crawled in the woods, that was my toy that was before anybody bullies really started getting abusive so that was a great time
1: so he had, he started getting these thoughts mm-hmm. at a young age uh deviant kind of sadistic thoughts
3: did he ever torture those animals
1: he um I never saw where he tortured animals no I don't think he fits on that McDonald triad mm-hmm. or whatever but um he did start getting some some uh deviant thoughts but and the book kind of claims that he was a sadist. Or excuse me. The prosecutor actually claimed that he was a sadist. And I don't really see that.
3: Well, his bumper sticker said quite a lot. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> yeah. see him
1: as a sadist really. And you'll see once we get into some not of the murders. Not like the last dude that we did. Oh, yeah. Not yeah, not like. <laughs> and, then I, and then I ejaculated.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, so this is one of the uh, thoughts he had when he was a kid. This is from the book.
3: There was some bondage. There was some rape, said Joel. There was a gladiator-type thing with two girls that would fight each other until the death. He admits the often-harmed women in the fantasies, but they were there was always no screaming. They were just passive about it.
1: Before we go any further, I'm going to uh, jump into some more of the murders, and then we're going to jump back and dive deep, deep, deep into his psychology, and then we're going to talk about some more murders, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the MO, and then we're going to end with the trial and stuff like that. So, kind of want to jump around a little bit in the story. Hope you guys don't mind.
2: No, Mm-mm. I like this one.
1: The thing about Joel, as you'll see, is he never finished anything in his life. And his father, a structural engineer, was constantly getting promoted, and you know, doing all these great things. And his mother was a, you know, a very successful painter. And they were just making leaps and bounds. And Joel would start something and then not finish it. And that's very apparent. Like, I mean, think about the garage. You know, he he started something. He killed that prostitute, but he couldn't even finish it right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's it's like, it's not really a procrastination thing. I mean, it is, but it's more of like he's a he starts something and then he doesn't follow through. And that was basically his life. And a lot about this book kind of drove me crazy. Reading... And listening to some of the interviews on YouTube and stuff like that, he would always blame um, blame his life on his problems, his dyslexia, his adoption, all this stuff. He would, he would blame, blame, blame. And in fact, he blamed a lot of the victims, too. Like, I mean, 99% of the victims we're going to talk about are prostitutes. So he would blame them for being- For their work. For their work, you know, for their job, for being crack addicts and stuff like that. So it's a lot of blame, Mm -hmm. and the, the good thing about this book that I'm reading now, and I definitely recommend it. If you're a true crime aficionado, you definitely need to have this on your bookshelf at least, but it's written by a guy who became an investigator, and at one point of in. In his life, he was a cameraman, a photographer, and Mm. Joel Rifkin was a very talented photographer, Mm. and they had actually worked together. This was about 20 years before he got in prison and all that, so he knew him as a child, but they would take photos. I'm showing you now like a boxing. That's a photo that Joel Rifkin took of of a boxing bout. Mm. I guess boxing is huge in New York. It's not huge down here. Uh, Um, So he would take these incredible photos and, and he would paint, too. This is some of the pictures. It's kind of oh, black wow. and white. But uh, he was a very talented painter. But so, this inter- so the investigator that wrote this book actually could not shake the fact that, you know, why him and not me? Because he was comparing his own life. Well, you know, I grew up in a normal life, a normal childhood with normal friends, all this stuff. I was bullied. I became a photographer. So kind of why Joel and not me? Like and he was trying to figure that out. And the whole book is basically him figuring it out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's a really good book. It's really good. Um, but anyway, so the father actually gets terminally ill, and he actually makes Joel a bet before he dies. And the bet was because Joel had tried college multiple times, he bet his son that he couldn't go back to college and pass the first semester. And if he can, he'll he'll pay for the second semester full out. He was like, Joel, if you go back to college and you complete the first semester, I'll pay for the second and maybe even more. Now you can't go back for art or photography or something that you're just going to pass anyway. you got to go back for something that you have never learned before and that's going to be difficult. So this has got to be a challenge. So he decided to go back for biology
0: Mm. which is going
1: to take which is going to come up again as far as dissections. But anyway (laughs) anyway um he actually struggled before the final exam and 3 days before the final exam to pass that semester his dad overdosed himself on barbiturates Ooh. and he thought and it's probably true that it was so he doesn't have to see another Joel's another one of Joel's letdowns mm. of not passing oh, and in fact when his father was on the deathbed Joel came up to him and said Hey Dad, I don't know if you can hear me. He was in a coma. He was terminally ill, so he basically took yeah. Barbiturates until he went into a coma. Mm. And Joel said, "I don't know if you can hear me in there, Dad, but I got a ninety, you know, on my final exam, and I passed the semester. And then right after that, the father died. Wow. And then literally mm. about two years later, after the grieving process, because like I said, the father and mother were very supportive of him. Right. You know." He grieved, and then that's when the killing started.
3: Interesting. Yeah. Good for him for
2: passing, though. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm just saying, you know. But biology is hard, and and I probably, if I was, I, you know, one of the one of the easiest ways to get me to do something is to tell me that you can't do it. So I understand that, you know, motivation there, Jen,
1: You can't have a clean car. <laughs> You can't have a clean car.
2: You're right. <laughs> <laughs> because every time I I clean it out like every couple of weeks and then I it just it looks like I live out of my car. But like I said it's a defense mechanism cuz no Jen, one's going to rob
3: my car.
1: Here's the resolution. 1 year no beer. That's trending on, uh, like...
3: That's a... Uh, there's, like, a program about that. Yeah. I was like... They, it shows up on an ad for me now. I am like, oh, my God, they I'm think like, I'm an fuck alcoholic. fuck this asshole. He, like, lost, like,
1: 50 pounds. I'm like, fuck this asshole. You know, we
3: will continue
2: to <laughs> yeah. drink, yeah, yeah, you start
1: a fucking podcast and try to do one year, no beer. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. I mean, <laughs> Impossible. Like, especially if, a murder if podcast. If we weren't... Well,
2: not even that. Like, but if we didn't do our live shows at breweries, I would, I would take you up on that bet <laughs> also yeah so True. you can't you, you know it well won't, that means it liquor be, too it Jen. Be, no you <laughs> said one year no beer you didn't say anything about liquor
3: just before the midterm exam ben took a lethal combination of barbiturates fell into a coma and died three days later joel still blames himself for his father's desperate action i don't know if he thought i was going to fail and he didn't want to face another failure because the timing was so close said joel Maybe I drove him to an early suicide because he didn't want to see the see me fail again. Oh, no. But at the same time, I was incredibly angry at the timing. That was my shot.
1: After his dad passed away, he found something that really changed his life. Not for the better, but just changed his life. Do you all guys want to take a guess what that is? Very good. It's having sex with prostitutes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a life-changing experience for him. Had he had sex prior to the prostitutes, or was that his first sexual experience?
1: Yes, it was. In fact, he was going to college as a virgin the first time he went to college and Philadelphia. Well, out. not
2: abnormal. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: To go you get can a graduate from
2: college and still be a virgin. You could be 28 and no, still be I a virgin. No, I
1: Jen. I'm saying, like, he was going to college, and he didn't want to be inexperienced so he got a prostitute and that happens to a lot of us um you know go back to my when i was 19 but anyway it says uh (laughs) before he started killing he fell in love with prostitutes now the prostitutes would do the prostitutes in new york at the time and the way the book was saying it is there's different streets right so it reminds me of uh, wolf on wall street where you got the the blue sheets and the pink sheets, you know, yeah. the blue sheets are like the, uh, the Walt Disney blue, corporation, blue chip. blue chip, the blue chip is like the Walt Disney and like, like really, uh, expensive stocks. So they're like really Proven. high class yeah. prostitutes. And then the pink sheets are like the weed stocks where they're really low class prostitutes. Penny stocks, penny stocks. Yeah. So anyway,
2: you should probably start investing in marijuana.
1: We, okay. I we got to yes, go. guys. We, we got to go. So he actually found prostitutes, and the thing about it is Joel was kind of a pushover, so a lot of these prostitutes were conning him all the time. So basically they would do this boyfriend routine where they would go to a hotel, she would start undressing, and then before they actually had coitus, this guy, a pimp or whatever, would kick down the hotel door and say, what are you doing? I told you not to do this ever again, pretending to be the boyfriend. And this is after she took the money. So he would get conned over and over and over and over and over. And he would be picking up prostitutes like three, four times a night, spending oh. all his money. Also, there so was I'm a looking cop looking routine that they used to pull, too, if you want to read this, like Nicole. And
2: said he
3: has a lot of endurance, like three to four times a night. That's impressive. There was another girl on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, he continued. Most of the girls have a favorite spot where they feel safe. So she's directing me to this grocery store parking lot. We pull in, drive up to the wall. Now the front of the car is facing the wall. This car pulls behind me. Two guys get out and they do a cop routine. I never saw any badges, but they're claiming they're cops and they're claiming she says you stole $50 from her. I only got $30 on me, so I gave them 30 and drove off. And I pulled the other 30 I had underneath the seat and went back to the stroll and picked someone else up. There's all kind of cons. It was amazing.
1: Okay, so with the prostitutes, there was no emotion involved because he tried to have serious girlfriends and they never worked out. And with the prostitutes, he actually used the analogy, <laughs> the prostitutes were like an assembly line.
3: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You ever seen that video of like the assembly line of people like with the dildos, like the dildo factory? And they're hmm. trying them no? out.
1: Oh, this one's too big.
2: What? No. <laughs> what? no. what? No.
1: This one goes in my mouth, but not in my butthole <laughs> very easily.
2: I wonder what it would be like to be a quality control
1: person. A dildo.
3: <laughs> oh my gosh! I think that's what I said about remember that that Japanese machine. This one's yeah. too. Ribbed. I wonder what QA was like for that yeah. thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this one's too ribbed, like you know the ripples no. on it, can't, the I veins. Can't, this I one's cannot, too veiny, Jen. <laughs>
3: no, ew, gross! <laughs> I, you, can't, I literally cannot you know even they imagine. I do cannot want to imagine. Um, I don't want the most Out of your favorite porn star. Yeah,
1: they do flashlights like that too. Ew! They're they ribbed, also, but like,
3: you, they also do molds. You can
1: do yeah, your own Yeah, they do mold. mold. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, they but,
2: like, them. you can do your own mold if you want. Oh. So, I feel like that was oh. a really bad story to tell you guys because, I mean, like. There's this running joke that you guys are going to get me a dildo and I do do not want a Oh yeah, mold it's going to of- be
1: the size of this room. <laughs> it's going to be black. I don't
2: I don't want it's John's black. mold. Oh my god, gross. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
1: don't Holy think shit. I would enjoy that. No. That's now, gross. say if we get a dildo made out of my penis, we'd probably save money since it's only a couple inches. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have to use as much material.
3: <laughs> I don't why you do that to yourself <laughs> he's it's really amusing
2: they'd That'd be like oh, excuse suit. me
1: no females allowed oh wait there it is I can like barely see it
3: <laughs> like in Click we were watching Click last night yeah that was funny they get, it grew okay come on I don't now I do why get you, you do that it. The whole idea is, it's an assembly line," he explained. "There's no foreplay. It's get it over with as fast as we can. That's Push like, all the right buttons. Get them out of here in click. two minutes flat. Literally, click.
1: That's efficiency, right there. It is
3: almost becomes it almost <laughs> becomes habitual. By the time Joel arrived at Brockport, his desire for hookers would outweigh any academic inspirations, aspirations. It's like they as- just aspirations. Yeah.
1: It's like they just sit there and it's like boink, 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 and you know the wieners go in. Uh, Ew. Okay, never mind.
2: Like a all. Oh gross. Like a all. <laughs> oh, gross. You know, like uh, you know that I am at least buzzed if I'm comfortable talking about this <laughs> topic.
1: Okay, God. so he does move in with a serious girlfriend at 19 years he old. He gets
3: a girlfriend.
2: Yeah,
1: but for like a month, Ugh. and but he's still that's picking, not serious. He's still picking up two or three prostitutes a night. His girlfriend Cash. doesn't know. Oh God. And eventually, oh, that poor
2: one probably has so many STDs now.
1: He eventually gets... What'd you say?
2: I said that poor woman probably has a bunch of STDs now if he's getting three to four hookers a night. Well,
1: that moves on to our next segment. (laughs) Joel gets herpes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Good guess, Jen. The girl... Oh, shit. This girl had advanced HIV. She would shoot up and pass out, he added. She's in this girl's bathroom for, like, hours. As she chatted and smoked with her friend for what seemed like eternity, totally oblivious of her client, Joel became... More and more upset.
1: That goes back to the conning. This girl would go to the friend's house. Joel would give her more money, 150 bucks here for some crack. They would go to another friend's house. She would get more and more high. And at the end of the day, she wouldn't, you know, have sex with him. So he was he was always conned by these women. So I mean, it's obvious why he would kill him in the end. You know, not obvious, but I mean, it's,
3: he was mad at them.
1: He was basically mad at him. Yeah. So his first kill was a girl named Susie. Um, This is so fucked up. So his mother was out of town; she was in Colorado with a business trip. Party. And he goes (laughs) to the strip, the uh, red light district in New York or whatever. And he brings Susie back to his childhood home, you know, because his mother's not there. She she wanted more and more drugs. All this stuff. She was addicted. They were, you know, she was getting all this. She was getting all high and stuff like that, and. They actually did have sex, and he was about to drive her back, and it was going to be a normal night. Now, this is his first kill, so they didn't even get out the door. Instead, so he was actually looking for his car keys, which sucks because I always lose my shit. <laughs> and I get really mad when I lose my shit, my car keys. Did you
3: get a tile? You lose your shit when you lose your shit. <laughs> yes. I decided not to find my keys, he recalled blandly. I found this thing, hit her with it, and that was the first time. The thing was a howitzer shell he had recently bought in a military flea market. <laughs> it's
1: like a big-ass fucking rocket shell. <laughs> fuck?
3: It weighed about 10 or 12 pounds, and Joel estimated Jesus it was Christ. 18 inches long and 6 to 8 inches in diameter. I was uh... hitting her two-handed like a baseball bat, he said, sideways, like, from up, Urgh. up from the top, <laughs> all different ways. I just lost control. I stopped when I got tired only after he was finished and sure she was dead he began did he begin to panic i did remember running around trying to turn up the tv volume pulling up the sh- pulling the shades down he joked he said jokingly as if recalling some spirited college hijinks i remembered the cops coming right to the doorway i was thinking the cops i was thinking they can read minds they know what happened to his horror Susie suddenly popped up on the couch in a last ditch effort to salvage her life
1: um all right so before we go any further, I just checked Facebook. And Steve, I'm going to shout him out. He said Joel the Ripper. Gee, oh, Steve. Hey, Steve. You're lucky, though, man, because I was already didn't logged Abby, into Facebook. Didn't Abby and
3: comment on it, too? I think she guessed
1: it. I don't know, but that was just what popped up. So you're lucky you got that in. So there's a shout-out.
3: I think Abby guessed it, too.
1: So uh, what I was typing in is a howitzer shell. This is a howitzer shell. My dad used to have one in the... Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. what he killed her with. <laughs> oh,
3: my gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's kind of comical. Holy shit.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's not. <laughs> but, Holy fuck. Like, what? I wait, feel like I got. That's, like, that's, you know,
1: that's huge. I can oh see John, like, terrible. mounting that. <laughs> Look, it, it shoots out of this fucking thing. <gasps> wow. So that's he cool. killed this prostitute with this fucking big-ass shell.
3: Look, that, that's a good one that shows the <laughs> size <laughs> based on Christ. the person. Mm. <laughs>
1: Holy tits. Oh, my God. you imagine taking that thing? Yeah, no shit. Listen to me, guys. This is the first kill. You're seeing on the screen a, a howitzer shell. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets beaten to death with this howitzer mm. shell. Now, remember, before this, she was going to house, to house, to house, to get high on crack, 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 crack. Crack so
2: is whack.
1: Once you're on crack and probably whatever the hell else she was smoking and snoring. She was on, she was so high. Now, this is fucking nuts. She's dead. Okay. But all of a sudden, Joel's like, oh, geez, thank God that was just, that was aggressive. Holy fuck. There's blood everywhere. All of a sudden, she jumps up. And the book says, like an undead zombie that was on crack. Quote, she bit my finger almost to the bone. Oh.
2: So oh, no. she is being... Oh, no, not the carrot statistic. Ah! I hate that. No! Well,
1: all right. So as Nicole read, she was hit with this big-ass shell. And I'll put a picture of a house for shell on talkmer.com. But she's beat, basically beat to death with this shell. So she is like nothing but a pulp of everything. You can't even see, like, her features anymore. And she jumps up literally like a cracked-out undead zombie. And she starts attacking him. The first kill ever. This is how fucking outrageous this is, right? She bit my finger almost to the bone. He finally gets the upper hand and pushes her to the wall and strangles her. That is fucking aggressive. Now that she's finally dead, or at least he hopes so, he brings her down to the basement. Now, his mom's in Colorado, so he ain't got to worry about her coming home, but he decides to go to sleep for two hours, and this is where his biology class comes into play. It was
3: just a straight dissection, done as mm-hmm. fast as you can. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I went with the idea of a scalpel, which I imitated with an exacto knife, and it made very small, controlled cuts over the joints and popped the bones oh. out of the sockets. No, 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 no. As a kid, you learned how to carve turkey. Oh, no, no, no. You just go to the bone on the wing and the bone on the leg. You can you know cut the bone with a too. knife, and it pops off. Yeah, like you a know knuckle. You... The knuckle. Yeah, oh, the no. Knuckle. Oh, gross. Oh. <laughs> This is why
2: I'm not the turkey carver. Actually, I did carve the turkey on Thanksgiving, but I only, we, we, um, we only, I only carved the breasts, so I didn't really have to worry about it.
1: Yeah. You have two arms, two legs, and a torso, but the head is also attached, and you want to get rid of that, too, but, like, where are you going to put the head? It doesn't wrap anything. Oh, shit, look, look over there. Where? I bet that empty paint can would house this neck, or house this head pretty good. Uh Uh-uh. The head actually fit right in the paint can. How? A small head. Small head. Do
3: you think my head would fit in a paint can? Fuck no. No, I don't think mine would either. No, my ego's too paint
1: big. Bucket. Paint I'm pool.
3: so <laughs> smart, so my head is so big.
1: Okay, listen. He actually pulled the... So he cut the head off, put the head in an empty paint can. Mm-mm. He pulled out the teeth with pliers. Ah! He gets these big garbage bags, these industrial garbage bags, mm-hmm. and he puts it in the back of his truck. And with the head in the paint can, he drops the head off in Jersey. Now this is crazy. Everything is legal in New Jersey. This is crazy because he threw it, except pumping in a, um, like in a golf course, like the rough area of golf golf course, like mm. in the woods. And there was a big storm that year, and the head actually rolled onto the golf course. Heads will roll. You know what I'm saying? Mm, And they found the head first before they found anything else. He actually dumped the arms and torso in the East River in lower Manhattan, which I'm never going up to New York in those rivers, man. He dumped all his bodies up in there. Now, seven days later, golfers found the head at Hopewell Golf Course in New Jersey, and there was a huge investigation. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. We're going to talk about his psychology a little bit. You guys cool with that? Yeah, Yeah. There was a 1972 Hitchcock movie called Frenzy. Now he was obsessed with the woman in that movie getting strangled. You ever guys ever seen that movie? No. No. This is basically his psychology. He was socially awkward. He was a virgin. He could never finish a project. Stop talking about me. He made mediocre grades. He was at community college where his father at the time was getting better and better and better job positions and he was basically falling out of fucking community community college. Which, you know, I went to a real university, University of Phoenix, Mm. online. Which, actually, little Wayne went to that university, so fuck (laughs) you guys.
3: (laughs) So I get out of Brockport, and I'm a freshman, flat out, said Joel. I'm only 19, and everyone else is 18. And that started causing its own problems. By that time, I was having problems with depression. But it did not take long for the bottom to fall out. I was basically seriously depressed at that time, he recalls. Anti-depression and anti-anxiety medication probably would have helped me out in the world, but it wasn't around 20 years ago. The apartment looked like a tornado, and she got tired of living that way. I was sleeping all the time and just not functioning.
1: All right. You guys understand the psychology. Let's get on some murders. Let's get on some murders. Julie Blackbird was actually really nice to him, okay? She was a prostitute as well, but... He actually got his ring, his father's uh, class ring stolen at the mother's house. This is after the father died, and it was at a crack house. She actually goes in the crack house and steals the ring back. Now, she comes back, and she was actually a good person for him, okay? He told her that he would repay her. By going to the ATM and pulling out 150 bucks, he goes there and his bank declines his transaction because inefficient funds. So here's a little thing about Joel. I'm telling you about. It. He was at the time working these odd jobs. He was a landscaper. At one point, I'm gonna probably get to it if I'm not too drunk. He worked in a camera store. Either way, he was making money, but he was spending it right when he gets his paycheck, kind of like I do. Same. All right, yeah. So by the next Monday, he was asking for gas money. Anyway. He goes to the ATM, insufficient funds. They go back for two hours at the mother's home where she's out of town. They wait until the bank actually opens so he can go dispute it. But then he decides to kill her for no good reason.
3: And, a, and this time it was a much heavier object I used because the howitzer shell no longer existed, he said. It was a table leg or something or a sawed-off bat. We had these table legs. For a period, my mom was redoing furniture, so we'd keep old scrap wood. I had fantasized about it and dismissed it all night, he continued. I was in control of myself. Then we go back to the house after the ATM machine, and we sit around the house for two more hours. So the whole thing started all over again. And this time I couldn't control it. I had gotten a second shot at it. If the money had come out of that machine, we would have been on the parkway, and we would have gone to the city, and she would have lived. I'm 99% sure of that.
1: So he brings Julie back down to the basement. Now she's dead. Now he goes to Home Depot, which I fucking love Home Depot mm-hmm. way better than Lowe's. Quote I went to Home Depot, bought a mortar pan, quick cement, exacto knife, and did quick cement. Is that better? Yes, thank you. Quick cement, exacto knife, and did what I did with the first one, he said, except this time the packages were placed in cement. Okay. So basically, he puts the body, encases it in cement in these jugs. Now his mom's not coming back for two days, so he's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Except, Wrong. except it takes two days for the cement to actually dry. Oh. So the prostitute is in the basement drying in cement because it takes a while. Okay, for two days, and he didn't realize it took that long. This is just Joel's. Fucked up life. Okay. For him. As soon as the mom came home, literally an hour before she got home, it was like real quick. The buckets dried and he was able to deposit the bodies.
2: So what would have happened if the cement wasn't 100% dry and then he just dumped them in the river? Would it just dissipate?
1: Yeah, I think so. Quote, I was too paranoid to hang out anymore. In her case, there was three packages. I put the two arms in one bucket and the two legs in a pan and the head in another bucket. The torso, I couldn't do that with. So that was wrapped in a milk crate, and I think that ended up in the Hudson River.
3: So how many people did he kill total?
1: 17, Whoa. but, but l- let me tell you a little bit about this. Let me Let me finish this a little bit, okay? He actually takes the cement to the Hudson River, but before that, he stops to pick up more prostitutes. Well, he has an addiction with with the the cement in the passenger seat. (laughs) Wow. Can you go ahead and move that move that severed arm back here, please? Well, at least they didn't know what it was. (laughs) But he said he decided against it. He was actually talking to one of the prostitutes working out a deal. Twenty five for a blowjob. And he was like, you know what? I got stuff to do. Basically, I got to dump this other prostitute in the Hudson River. <laughs> Fucking nuts. All right. The third victim was Barbara Jacobs, July 1991. Now, this was uh, four months after the second. So, the first... the From the first murder to the second murder was 18 months. Then you got four months and then we do the escalation theory. It becomes like every other week. Or
3: and he so. gets caught from his freaking license plate.
1: Now, potentially, Joel has HIV.
3: Oh, yeah. Because he
1: had... Unprotected sex. He was having. Now he he fancied himself as an oral kind of guy, and he he was he was afraid of getting HIV, but he thought he never could get it because he never had anal sex. That's kind of how smart he is. But um, well, he
3: is intelligent. If you
1: want to read this,
3: once he picked up Oravito, things progressed quickly. We went to a schoolyard, parked along a fence, and I choked her in the middle of the oral sex act. Upon Rifling through her belongings, Joel was non-pulsed to, th- to discover that the woman he had killed had HIV. She had a big brown pharmacy bag of AZT. He said, that was the, one of the things I kept as a souvenir. AZT break.
1: Let me get into the souvenir thing right quick by talking about the MO. Just really quick. I know we're running out of time. But he started keeping souvenirs because he imitated both Ted Bundy and Gary Ridgway, the Green River mm. Killer. And literally, he was going by their blueprint. It says, quote, I think I imitated what I read because a lot of what I told the psychiatrist is almost lifted page by page from the Green River Killer book, uh, said Joel. He buried one. The Green River Killer buried one. I buried one. He went from water to land. I went from water to land. He placed one by an airport. I placed one by an airport. Hmm. He did things in clusters. I did things in clusters. So he, that were kind of like his idols. He also imitated Ted Bundy. But one thing that he did not do, a.k.a. he did do, but like a lot of killers he didn't want to admit, is have sex with the bodies post-mortem. Hmm. And a lot of the research that has been done in on this case suggests that he did have post-mortem sex with the bodies, although he has never admitted it. Mm. Okay, but he most likely did. But he's very fervent about not doing it. So he would usually drive the prostitute, which was dead, in the front seat of his truck, usually, and he would actually go through a, quote, logic phase, which to us, we would just call it a lack of logic phase, if you will. Quote, I didn't necessarily associate it with... Being a body, he said. With one of the later girls, I even stopped at a gas station with her in the front seat. She's dead, naked in the front seat. Hmm. Okay. Do people
2: just not notice what's going on in this dude's car?
1: I don't know. He got out, prepaid, and pumped the gas. Other times, I am on the Long Island Expressway with trucks that have a high cab. Nothing was cranking logically, I guess.
2: See, I mean, for me... I'm not going to lie. Like when I'm at a stoplight or even when I'm passing someone, I always take a peek at who's driving next to me. I always kind of try to guess like what kind of person drives the car. Because mm. for me, a car match- matches a person's personality. Mm.
1: Now, it's hard for us to know the exact dates of murders because he's so bad with the chronological dates. He's of dyslexic. His life. Yeah. S- <laughs> like he did not even know when his father died. I mean, it's impossible That's to sad. know the exact dates. Now he was a complete psychopath. Um, so psychopath is having no empathy for anyone but yourself, mm-hmm. and that was, was proven. Sociopath. That was proven by multiple psychiatrists that he was a psychopath, and he scored very high on the MMPI, which is the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. Um, one of the uh, FBI. One uh, an FBI behavioral scientist says, "quote I believe that Joel's actions were most about con- were more about control than emotion. He was able to perpetrate the act of killing with no emotion whatsoever. There was no rage, no elation, no intoxication during or after the act. All of his actions fed into his fetish for sexual sadism, which I don't believe he was a sadist." But the moment of the victim's capture is what got him excited. His actions were about the supreme power he felt over his own life and the destiny of his victims. He didn't love or hate them. It didn't matter if they were nice to him or not prior to the killing. That had no determination in the end result. There was one a girl that he did kill that was actually not a prostitute. Uh, Her name was Leah Evans. Now, this was actually a big case. This was shortly before Thanksgiving 1992. And I want to point out 1992 was what he called his, quote, bloody year. She was not a prostitute. She actually got mugged earlier and needed some cash. So she decided to, you know, hook for some money. She was strangled, buried in a nature park around Long Island. Now, this is kind of fucked up because there was, is like, I don't know, they got this park and there's all these critters and nature and yeah. like good flowers and shit.
2: I mean, to clarify, the whole story mm. is fucked up, but go on.
1: Yeah, so these Asian nature walkers, and I'm picturing in my mind, they have like selfie sticks and fanny packs. You know, how Asians are, they're trekking through this net nature path. I mean,
2: I don't think there was selfie sticks in 1992. They're
1: but- trekking through this nature path Nature path, and all of a sudden, they see a hand sticking out of the earth. Now, this is the only body that, that he's actually buried, and it was a very shallow grave. Like it was you. a very shallow grave. The only feature of her that was sticking out was her fingers. They were painted red, her fingernails, and they were sticking out the grave, almost like they were reaching. Okay. And these, I can just imagine these Asians getting all scared because it looked like she was reaching out of the earth. He basically followed Ted Bundy. And uh, the Green River killer, as far as how to kill people. And in fact, that's the reason he kept souvenirs. And in fact, I don't, I mean, you read earlier, I guess you guys didn't really understand, but he actually kept the ACT as a souvenir, the AIDS medication as a souvenir, the which AZT? is fucking crazy. That's crazy. You know, like who the fuck would do that? Well, um, I mean,
2: someone that also may need AZT.
1: Yeah, obviously going back.
2: like you know oh look i don't have to pay for this medication like i might as well just take the one that was on
1: um going back to the first uh where we started he remember he got captured Mm -hmm. he eventually so when when he got captured they had about nine hours of him confessing to all 17 like i mean without an attorney or whatever later he would say that he requested an attorney numerous times but they they didn't allow him to have oh, one.
3: Hopefully that wasn't
1: that, that really didn't stand in court. Right. But he actually tried to outsmart all the um, the the judge and the jurors. And he fired a lot of his lawyers trying to be like a Ted Bundy. He was basically doing everything Ted Bundy did hmm. and trying to control the courtroom. None of it worked. He confessed to 17 murders. The first trial he got um, sentenced to life now, those 17 murders were under nine jurisdictions. A three-week trial for the first, the body that was in the truck, ended on May 9th, 1994, and he was guilty of that murder. And eventually, he would get 203 years to life in prison. Good. Um, so that's basically... Is he still
3: alive today? Yeah,
1: he's still alive today. Huh. He still does interviews and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, I wonder
3: if he'd reach out to us.
1: I, I don't know, maybe. No, thank you. It's interesting. He actually got convicted... For murder for a prostitute that they never even identified. I think it was the first in history that he confessed to killing a Jane Doe and they actually couldn't identify her and he still got convicted of her murder. I think that's like the first in history. But that's basically the Joel Rifkin story. It's um he's kind of a a shithead, definitely does not know how to be a serial murderer. He's a psychopath um through and through even though he claims he's not I mean he's definitely a psychopath um but that's ba- basically it I mean you can't really point to anything in his childhood that caused this at all you know besides the bullying but you know I mean a lot of kids are bullied and they don't turn out like this so I don't know I uh, hope you guys like that story
2: yeah it was interesting thank for you sure. for that request Brittany
1: yeah thank you so much Brittany
2: yes thanks Brittany
1: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use if you like this story. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our ass man, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Become a Tacos Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, stickers, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on Talk Murder Podcast. My name is John. Here we're Jen and Nicole. Until next time.
0: Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Hello, no man.
1: I'm fucking already (laughs) buzz. Can you pour me some more you're driving? Oh, you should do a mold of my butthole.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I know in my defense. Because my car is full of so much crap, no one's going to want to take anything from it. They're going to be like, who the fuck keeps all this crap in their car? And why is it like this? And I'll say, oh, see, there's nothing really worth stealing in here because you can't find anything.
1: What about all them dead cats in there? I
2: don't have any dead cats, sir. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I don't like being so old. I can't turn my head to the side. I know. Mine still hurts. Like, I don't think I could safely maneuver a vehicle.
1: I can turn my head just fine, look. Look at me, Jen, look at me turn my head just like this. We're so jealous. Look what I can do, Jen. Ah, oh shit.
0: There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut.